I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Pages now is not marketed at a consumer. It is built for the South African consumer. And so long as we stay and fit with that consumer by, by them knowing that we are for them and not at them, then we can not only be a movement, but a revolution. This was predicated on a quote from Benjamin Franklin, who said that there are three types of people in this world. Those who are immovable, people who don't get it, or just simply don't want to do anything about it. Then there's people in the world who are movable. Uh, they see the need for change and are prepared to listen to a new idea. And then there are people who move. You know, They just get out there and make things happen. And everybody who's part of Pages now is part of the movement. And hopefully we can compel the movable part of our population to jump on board into this movement as well. You know, and in no time, this movement will turn into a revolution. There's no doubt about it. 20 years ago, I started working at what was then the cutting edge of consumer credit in South Africa. In partnership with Capital One, we were arguably the first mainstream lender to bring across the life cycle risk-based strategies to market. And we were able to bring about significant change. But these things work in cycles. And now we appear to be on the cusp of the next big wave as a bevy of fintechs brings their fresh ideas. Chief among those, as it appears to be around much of the world, is Buy Now, Pay Later. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. One of the good friends I made during my MBA had Danish family. And so 13 years ago, when my wife and I moved to Copenhagen, those cousins very kindly took time off to show my wife around the city while I settled into the office. To say thank you, we invited them around to dinner as soon as we'd moved out of the hotel and into our first proper apartment. We invited them for 7pm. They arrived at 7pm. I was still shopping at 7pm. I don't think those poor girls ate until about 8.30. In Denmark, this is a serious faux pas. In South Africa, it is simply how we treat time which is to say flexibly, an attitude that is reflected in some rather unique scaling of time from right now on the urgent side of the spectrum and becoming increasingly vague and less committal as we go through now to now now to just now, the furthest out of all our time frames. Albeit, just now finally has a fixed definition, at least according to today's guest, Mark McCleary, co-founder of Pay Just Now, a South African BNPL, that offers three interest-free installments to increase access to credit and perhaps just as importantly, increase access to e-commerce to consumers who were underserved in the past. But yeah, welcome to the show. Mark, when I had a quick look at your background, it's sort of non-traditional, I would say, for a chief data and analytics officer in financial services. I see restaurants, office equipment, some deal making, some entrepreneurship. Before we talk about pay just now, do you want to just spend a few minutes talking about that background? Sort of what, what brought you to, to where you are today? 
Yeah, for me, I mean, this is the worst part of any interview is to discuss yourself, but I'll try and do it without being too self-deprecating. I think, you know, for me, it's been a 20 plus year career of finding my way to this place. You know, starting in restaurants, I think it's quite quite a vital building block for, for anybody who, who wants to be of service. It teaches you, you know, a lot of humility and that it takes hard graft. Nothing comes easily. I and mean, then from there, went into sort of business to business sales, you know, as you mentioned, office automation. I think that's probably one of the toughest sort of industries to make any success of note. Those that are successful in it have got scars on their backs for it and a wealth of experience and knowledge. And I think what it teaches you is to look for different ways of, of approaching a problem because you've literally got to sell something that's a grudge purchase to a business. I got to the kind of end of the road of my office automation journey as CEO of Surtec, which in Southern Africa is the importer and distributor of Sharp Electronics. And it was there where I was exposed to a role which required a really detailed analytical view of turning around what was a 45-year-old company to go and be relevant again. It was a period of my life that I learned a great deal. And more importantly, I took away from that, you know, the importance of of being able to cast your eye across the field rather than just look at a target and you know try and hunt it down. After that role ended, I I took a sabbatical, and it was at that stage where you know I was introduced through friends to the concept of open source data and worked on a project called Passmark, where we where we attempted to curate the world's internet code and build a tool that allowed people to sort of measure their own websites and you know, from a performance and content and security position. And through there, really immersed myself in what I think was probably the most powerful contributor to my pages now was just understanding the fundamental power of open source. It underpins the success of any major sort of software or, or software language in that it is free at the point of distribution. And that is the hurdle that guarantees mass adoption, utility, and ultimately contribution to, you know, to that product to make it grow and, and remain relevant. So I think each of them put me in good standing to approach Pages now, armed with the anecdotal learnings of the past and also the ability to try and think how we can change things for the better. Yeah, and I think when we look at FinTech and we talk about disrupting it for the big banks, you've come from understanding sales, from understanding customer demand, built a financial product rather than coming from financial products and, and trying to make them different. Let's have a little look at Pages now. What was the founding story and the sort of vision behind the business? And maybe if you could also just explain what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, sure. And I think just before I touch on the founding story, I think that really is the most important caveat is that in boardrooms all across the world, people talk about Darwin's survival of the fittest. And it's normally done with high tempo voices and a bit of enthusiasm in the voice, you know, trying to get people motivated to go out there and, and succeed. But it's always taken from who speaks it to say that you need to be the strongest, you need to be the fastest, you need to be the most fierce, outwit, outlast, and outcompete whoever is trying to eat your lunch. And I think where we see it is survival of the fittest in that context has often been misunderstood or misquoted in that the thing that fits the best survives. And every day, our approach is to find a way to make pages now fit better for our merchant partners and for the consumers that use it. And so long as we can remain steadfast to that approach, I think you know our sustainability and longevity is ensured. In terms of how Pages Now began, I think as with all storied South African ideas, you know, it started with a bri. 
that Bri led to a phone call, which became a meeting. And, and it's resulted in what we're talking about today, Pay Just Now, which is effectively South Africa's answer to a successful fintech movement globally, where we enable and empower consumers to buy now and pay just now. The just now, yeah, it's, it's a South Africanism. You have to be a SAFA to really get it straight away. It's a colloquial South African term, which is an expression of time. You know, sometime between now and later, but never immediately, as in yesterday, I'll mow the lawn just now. <laughs> and that shouldn't be confused with now now, which has a, a much greater sense of urgency. So, you know, Craig Newborn, who was the original founder, took that conversation over a lamb shop and marinated this idea of bringing what is and was a notable globally validated concept, fintech concept of buy now related to South Africa. He brought with him years of experience building and supplying bespoke technology solutions to, to the large ISPs on the African continent. And together with myself, who took that very first phone call, we started ideating this first iteration of Pages Now. And as with all things, its root and its growth is underpinned by the people and the passion that they bring to it. And so as we started building it out, we realized that the one leg to this chair was we needed somebody with remarkable and noteworthy experience in the retail sector. And so Craig reached out to a vastly matter of his Greg. The three of us from there, you know, started toiling away. This motley crew of founder friends, we immersed ourselves in a body of work that <laughs> we're proud of. And we started to build a team of people that we truly care for. And hopefully in days, weeks, years to come can be credited for building a game-changing service to the South African consumer. Hopefully, you know, noting that it was all for free to that same consumer. Yeah, and I think pineapple later is a, an idea that's working in many markets. But it's worth calling out that within South Africa, it's not just a more convenient way to pay or it's actually also a whole new access to credit in a market that has been underserved and that's left a vacuum that's attracted in some less savory business models in the past. Suddenly, as you say, you're offering free. So instead of 100% APRs, it's now a free and structured way without those hidden fees and exorbitant rates that maybe used to exist in this world. And I think that's a, a double benefit to the buy now pay later model in markets like South Africa as it is in you know other developing markets. Yeah, 100%. And I think I think that's quite an important part of this discussion is you know it, it's quite easy to to look at a, a globally validated business model and and then try and you know take a hammer and tong to it and fashion it to fit the context of the market you're trying to build it in. The difference between where buy now pay later is successful versus South Africa it's almost the dichotomy of those markets. You know, if you look in Australia, where it's got its storied beginning, Australia has got a base interest rate of one and a half percent, I think down to one percent now. But in South Africa, at the time when we started building this, our, our base prime interest rate was 10.5%. And although you want to offer and build a product that has utility for a consumer, you know, the real world practicalities is that cost of capital is a significant part of your ability to do this. And it is probably the biggest bulk of what costs we incur to be able to offer this to a consumer. And again, in, in South Africa, with unsecured credit default rates as high as they are, we were, we were initially looked at as pursuing folly, you know, like this can't work in a space that has such a toxic credits environment that lends itself to what you referred to in, in your missive was predatory type products that enter the market, you know, payday loans, high interest retail credit. They cover and ensure the credit risk by charging fees by charging the max allowable interest rate, that is effectively taking a share of that consumer's wallet 
and disappearing it into the ether to fund this product that they're desperate to use and have little alternative. That really is where I think Pages now has a, an idealistic and, and an important role to play in South Africa is that we empower the consumer who was going to consume anyway. We're not getting them to shop when they weren't going to shop. What we are is we're offering them a budget tool to say that there's a smarter way to shop. And if you sit down and do the maths in a very rudimentary way, it just makes sense. And that's, you know, our growth up until now. And all of that is attributed to people just sitting down and saying, well, first of all, I don't believe it. Is it what it says on the box? And, you know, with social proof and experience, and they, they, they didn't realize that, hey, hang on, this is what it, what it says it is. And it is the smart way to buy what I was going to buy anyway, without paying any fees or interest. And I think that's the tipping point. Yeah. And so my first role in South Africa, I won't mention their name, but was working with a joint venture with Capital One and a local bank. And we had two portfolios. So I was working on the credit card side, but a big part of our business was with a mass market lender. And we brought a lot of modeling innovation and we built a lot of scorecards and understood customer risk very well. But that still left a very high APR because we would understand who had a 50% chance of default versus who had a 25% chance of default. And we could adjust APR accordingly. A 25% default is 25% default. And it calls back a bit to your background we discussed in the intro. In our lender's mindset, you lend money, you get an interest and it has to compensate for your losses. And that's the way it is. But one of the clever parts with buy now, pay later is kind of reimagining that income model. You found a way around that to be able to offer these free installment loans. So obviously, I don't want you to give away too many secrets, but can you talk a little bit about how you overcome that issue, which to a banker, to anyone who's worked in lending traditionally, would look at it and say, yeah, you're crazy. You can't give interest-free loans to people with 33% sort of average default rates if we look at personal loans in, in the country. Yeah, so I think the key distinction here is that where Pages Now's point of departure was, we began with e-commerce. Okay, so that for us was imperative. It put us in front of the type of consumer who understood technology, who frequently was looking to shop online in in a market that was sub two percent of the retail GDP was was online. We didn't have to overcome the barrier of trust, like can I put my load my card details onto my profile because this person had experience with with e-commerce so that was quite important you know as as a barrier to entry was to start talking to the early adopters in digital commerce the other thing was that we needed to fashion our offering based on what the south african consumer needed or wanted or called out for without even realizing that they were the key difference between australasia and and south africa is that everybody in south africa for the casual workers and temp workers are paid monthly where in Australia and New Zealand, you know, even if you're a CEO, you're bound to have been paid every fortnight or every week. That's why they collect four installments every two weeks. And in South Africa, we, we had to model it to take three installments. Three wasn't just a thumbsack. It was a, an empirical calculation on what can we afford you know, in terms of max term because we can only collect it one time a month. And that it's not a credit facility. It's, it's a budget tool. And now this just gives them the ability to shop now, maybe experiment. Maybe they, they've never bought from this website before and they don't know if they're going to get what they think they're going to get. And if they have to return it, their wallet is only one third less rich to the value of the order. Our job there was to partner with merchants of repute to make sure that that was not going to be any story in our downfall. And then the other thing is that the South African consumer, and I suppose globally, the consumer has been educated 
maliciously over years. You know, when you sign up for your retail credit, you see your opening balance, you see your credit limit, pay your monthly fee and your sign up fee. And when you do your first transaction, there's also a collection fee. And all of these fees are rolled up into what is effectively the effective APR. And over time, you start getting those letters in the mail and, 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 and you're conditioned to look at opening balance, closing balance, minimum payment due and available to buy. And it doesn't take long before the only thing you look at on that paper is you're open to buy and minimum payment due. And at least it teaches the consumer some sort of rough arithmetic. So you can add that to that. And then now you know what you can shop for this month. And all it did was serve to push the consumer to the edge of what they could afford, funding that operation with the fees and the interest rates, which probably compounded daily. So it was quite important to us that when we built Pages Now, not only did we fit in with the operating lifestyle of this consumer, but also that we did it in a transparent sort of way. What you see is what you get. And you remember, the consumer is not our customer. The merchant partner is our customer. And if you love a brand and you buy from them two or three times a year, with Pages Now, we may be empowering you to buy more of that product or more often. I think back to our very first merchant partner that had no reason to, but they gave us a chance. They're called Freedom of Movement, known by the acronym FOM. And they, at the time, probably had about 20 products. They were above average value. They were durable. They were aspirational. It was high quality. And at that time in 2019, the last relaxed memory that we have was the World Cup in 2019. You know, they traded off the popularity of what was their most iconic product, and that was the FOM X Khaleesi. It was Feltskin shoes, which they made in collaboration with the Springbok captain, Sia Khaleesi, in the same year that he took our nation's dreams and team to, the, to Japan and inspired us all with that scintillating campaign that gave South Africa yet another Rugby World Cup title. So I think along the way, partnering with merchants, storied merchants that have a following was quite an important thing to get right from the beginning. And then we needed to overlay that with consistent, predictable, transparent service to the consumer that could build trust. I think it's really pleasing to hear how deeply woven it is into here because there's a lot of narrative hysteria around buy now, pay later. And is it you know, the next payday lending? Is it encouraging runaway spend? But you've touched on a few key points that I think are really where it's got the strongest message. One, obviously, interest-free if you're doing everything right. But two, there's that old story about how it's expensive to be poor, that if you're rich, you can afford that one good pair of shoes. It's going to last you for a few years. And over those few years, that's cheaper than buying four or five pairs of shoes that collapse on themselves. But you need that initial cash outlay. So you're providing that. People can buy better quality goods that actually in the long run last them longer. And then also where the credit card model, I would have a credit card because I wanted to buy that one pair of shoes I couldn't afford to pay at once. But then all my grocery shopping starts falling on there. As you say, I keep getting this thing that says, you've got 5,000 rand spare, you've got 5,000 rand to spare, and all you need to pay is 100 a month. And that sits there and it either actively or just passively sits on the back of the consumer's mind saying, here's this money you can spend. And actually, in most cases, the credit card's more likely to push people towards these debt traps, and it's more expensive. So buy now, pay later, as long as it's done right, as long as there's this sort of sensible approach to it, and it sounds like you've gone beyond sensible and you've actually woven that just cause into the vision, it is just to the consumer. And I guess we could talk about what it's done for e-commerce as well. You know, COVID was a perfect time to push a lot of people to e-commerce, but it does seem like a far better 
uh, approach to consumer credit. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you're touching on some of the narrative that's going on in established mature markets like the UK. And I've got some thoughts on that in that if you look at Visa and MasterCard stats over the last couple of years, they have publicized and noted a significant downward trend on the adoption and use of credit cards. And then at the same time, there's this significant increase in the use of debit cards, you know, people favoring to use what cash they have over credit. So I know and I've seen and and read significant volumes of narrative where the banks are actually trying to damp the global adoption of buy now, pay later. You know, if you just go onto YouTube and look at it, you've got for every one positive analysis of buy now, pay later, you've got eight, which uh, you don't have to dig very deep before you can find out who's, you know, who's lobbying against buy now, pay later. But you've got to wear kit gloves because you have to fit best and you have to continually look to fit better. And that doesn't mean maximizing your profit from consumer A so that you can offer this to consumer B. It's about empowering retail GDP growth, which hopefully spins off into improved employment, which hopefully spins off into greater innovations and downstream purchases from manufacturing and imports. And in South Africa, it's, it's very much needed you know, to grow our economy, is to do something where Pages Now is not marketed at a consumer. It is built for the South African consumer. And so long as we stay and fit with that consumer by them knowing that we are for them and not at them, then hopefully we can, can not only be a movement, but a revolution. You're listening to How to Lend Money to Strangers. If you're enjoying it, please hit the little plus button to subscribe and share it with your connections on LinkedIn. Now, let's get back to the show. If you think about it, you also can't trust a consumer to always be really judicious with how they spend their money. So we've taken active steps, which I think go a long way to demonstrate the realness of our approach. So for example, if you are signing up with Pages Now for the first time, you are assigned a credit facility. And that credit facility is the amount that we are prepared to split into three installments for you. You go on to make your first installment and hopefully in a couple of days, if you bought it online, you, you get those goods. We're also omni-channel, so we're available in-store now as well. So you could also even probably walk out of a Salomon Shoes or a Cape Union Mart with the goods that you've just paid your first installment on. But you cannot use your Pages Now facility again until that entire three installment order plan has been fully paid back. And you've got to use us with distinction, i.e. not miss payments. And this is the time that we take to educate that consumer of what Pages Now is, hoping that once they've used it successfully for the first time, they go on to imagine that Pages Now is not, it's not credit. It's, 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 it's fintech, yes, but it's a platform that enables them to participate as a consumer and they get to imagine it in their own context. So for me, it might mean splitting the payments on a set of golf clubs. You know, for you, it might be a PlayStation 5. For my wife, it might be a handbag. You know, for everybody, there's a place. Yeah, I think that's a, a really nice approach. Building that education in is... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. 
With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you are dealing with these consumers of, say, within the retail space, it accelerates that pressure that you feel of making a decision quickly. What sort of data are you using? Because I imagine a lot of your consumers are younger, perhaps not deeply in with the traditional financial services, so may not have thick bureau files. What sort of data are you looking at when you're making your decisions on who to open a facility for and indeed how much to provide them? Yeah, so I mean, typically there, there are about 48 different data points. You know, some of them are, are declared by the consumer during the sign-up process and then trust but verify, check it up and, and make sure that A, the identity is correct, the location ties in with what they're trying to shop, the delivery address is near or close to where they've declared was their home, the information they've given us, what's publicly available, do they have a credit score, don't they have a credit score. If you don't have a credit score, that doesn't rule you out. What it does is it just tells us that there's very little consumer behavior on which we can predicate a decision on sort of value. And then over time, as you use it, we align what we've offered you with what is of utility. And again, it's, you know, only being able to use it once for that first, for the first transaction. If you look at the average cart of e-commerce or, or even at the till now in store, the average cart is about 1,380 rand, somewhere around there. And so by making that very first payment of your first installment to make that transaction live, our risk is limited to the second and third installment only. You know, and, and, and we've got to trust that you are going to service those two installments. We do have a late fee structure, but that late fee by design is, is, is meant to discourage people from missing payments rather than punish them. And again, steps that we have, have demonstrably taken to, to prove that is that we are fastidious about how we communicate to that consumer. We let you know the day before that installment is due. If that installment, for whatever reason, doesn't go through successfully on the day, we let you know that it failed and we give you another 24 hours to make sure that that installment is paid before a late fee is accrued. So we've communicated with you four times in your choice of you know, communication channel before a late fee is accrued. So that very first transaction is, is, is where you learn. You don't know what they know until they've, they've been able to act. And if anybody is going to default, it's very likely they're going to default on their first transaction. And so once you see that this has utility, you, you, you're going to prioritize making sure that you have access to this utility. And if you do default, you can't use it again until you're cleared. So I was talking to an old colleague of mine in China, and he was talking about how the big super apps there that have come to dominate life so much, they give very small unsecured debt out. But because that utility of being in that ecosystem is so high that they're seeing consumers completely value a payment to their 10 cent or to their Alibaba outstandings above everything bar maybe their mortgage. And it's flipped that script within the financial world where it's like, oh, well, people always pay you know, the biggest one first. Now for you, You've gone in, 
you've built some protections here from a risk point of view. You've got your data, you've got your fallback plans. But six months after you launch, you know, we go straight into COVID and the world goes kind of crazy. It must have been a wild time for you both. On the one hand, e-commerce is is rocketing new channels or new customers are being drawn to it through necessity. On the other hand, you've got this huge unknown risk of, of what's going to happen on a model that was already something you had to prove out to the industry. How was that sort of first six months, first one year through COVID? Yeah, man, I think Jeepers, it's, it's going to take a lot more thought, you know, to try and delve into something that's still so fresh in the mind. But COVID did amplify pages now as value. A contrast of how globally e-commerce shot up versus South Africa, it wasn't as remarkable initially. Because our our stringent lockdowns even extended to retail, where you couldn't shop online and expect a delivery with no end date in sight. Having just launched literally five months prior, we had a relatively low consumer base. We had probably about 20 or 30 merchants integrated with us. But luckily, those merchants had such a following and such a fan base that we uh, sort of, after the initial dust and shock settled. We thought, well, what we're going to do is we're going to do a free campaign and put all the money that we would have spent on marketing just by going to these customers and saying, listen, you won't get your delivery and we can't tell you when you're going to get your delivery, but it's perilous times for this brand that you love. And if you want to shop with them, you can split your payments in three and we'll settle them immediately. It was a genuine approach that we expected to maybe yield a couple of thousand transactions, but it actually became viral. This wasn't a sales pitch. This was like where community started to rally around brands that were in their community, that employed people in their community, or that simply made something that, that you know, meant you were who you wanted to be in this tribe. And the momentum from there is really how I think it all began. It became visible to other merchants that said, hey, hang on a second. Why don't we sign up with Pages now? So we exceeded our merchant target through COVID five times than the budget that we'd set pre-COVID. And, and you know, over, over time, the regulations lifted and people got their goods and talkability continued. Serendipitous. If it didn't happen, we'd still be here. We'd still be talking the same story, but I can't tell you how big we'd have been. And what that did is it hastened the need for us to find funding. You know, at that time, it was a team of, of the three founders and, and a couple of contractors and people we knew that were helping us build this and build that and cobbled together what is now effectively Pages Now's stack. And, and so, yeah, I think, you know, it was, it was a terrible time for the economy, um, something that's going to take years to recover from. But it spurred some innovation. I think that South African hybrid vigor, you know, the approach to, to meeting problems head on. And it spurred, it spurred some creativity. And also it gave the consumer who probably would not have ever shopped online many, many days of four walls to then decide, hey, hang on, I'm missing out here. Let me have a look and dip my toes. Yeah, and I've been out the country for 13 years now. So yeah, certainly not up to date on, on the latest fashions. But when I cast my eye over your website, it's very clear that there's this curated approach to the, the companies you're working with. This is not just go to Amazon. You've got local brands, as you said, within the communities. You've got small businesses that you're helping get off the ground and building these genuine partnerships rather than let's just grow as fast as we can because some VC wants to to see the number of customers grow very quickly. And then, as you said, you, you went looking for finance. So do you want to talk a little bit about the corporate side of things as well? 
Sure, Jeeper. That that is a whole series of books as well. You know, you know, you know, you're eventually going to need funding somewhere, somehow, and uh, got to a point where where it was uh, what we say in South Africa, fein dry. You know, it was it was getting it was getting quite tenuous, and the growth was hastening our need to find a partner or funding. And and I think back to you know all these VCs and incubators and corporate venturing channels that we were introduced to where. You just go onto Twitter or, or any sort of finance forum. They're all talking about how they're looking for businesses to get behind so that they can help stimulate growth in the economy and this and that and blah, blah, blah. The reality is that it's a typical sort of CFA approach every single time. If you don't know what it is because you've never used it, you, you're excited by it, but the maths don't stack up. And if they do, it doesn't stack up in a way that you think is possible because you've only had a week or two to have a look at this and say, is this in the realm of possibility? And, and, and locally in South Africa, that is tainted by experience of businesses fail and fast in South Africa. And we eventually we were introduced to Weaver Fintech, head office out in, in Mauritius. And what was endearing about that was that there is this forward approach by everybody that, that was involved in that process. And we, I think we found a home with a business, but also people that understand that that longevity and sustainability follow doing things with intentional effort and to add value rather than to create value and, and suck it out of whatever ecosystem you're trying to serve. They also, I mean, have got decades of, of experience and notably a balance sheet <laughs> that we can get excited about. And so that means that we, we don't sleep at night for different reasons than needing to find capital to, you know, to settle our merchants. Now it's just about, you know, making sure that we continue to grow and offer utility to the consumer in a way that we don't lose any relevance. And yeah, I mean, we've made one or two mistakes along the way, but we're always quick to remedy those mistakes. And it's about an ecosystem in a partnership with a company that has your back that I think is is most important. Uh, anecdotally, a couple of the entities that we felt most excited about in the funding round have actually gone on to try and build their own buy now, pay just now. You know, obviously only waking up a few months down the line. It's testament to the fact that Buy now, pay later, or buy now, pay just now, how I hope it globally becomes referred to as. It has a real home and a real utility in South Africa. I think it's easy from a banker side to say, well, and I think you've probably find a quote of me saying it somewhere, but concept of buy now, pay just now is simple from a banking point of view. But I think as you hear more about it and you hear about the different approach and much more customer embedded approach, yeah, we do see some financial services that can do that. But you know, if you just think about your bank, it's big and stable and safe. It's certainly not aware of the, the young brands that are emerging within your communities and ways of helping to make them grow. So I think as soon as a traditional player starts to roll this out, very little of it is about lending and much more about it is on the stuff that banks don't traditionally excel at. But as you said, you are growing. Uh, you're taking on new merchants, new customers. If people want to learn more about Pages Now, if consumers want to work with you or merchants want to work with Pages Now, where should they go to, to get all the information? I hope they give this podcast a proper listen first. And then we are available online. We have apps that are in the App Store. So you can download Pages Now in the App Store of your iOS's choice. We are highly available in our in-app chat, in our contact us medium on email, or simply just go to pagesnow.com. And also, you know, if you happen to see us at a brand that you happen to love or shop at, 
quite avidly. And if we're there, just ask your sales clerk. They should be able to tell you exactly what I told you now because we intentionally made it to be easy to understand, digest, consume, and imagine in your own context. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And yeah, the more I learn about the business, the more excited I am about the sort of fintech that's coming out of South Africa. It's great to see that come through and what it can mean to provide access to credit at affordable levels and in fair ways. So yeah, been a pleasure to have you on. 100%. Thank you, Brendan. And thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed that, please do rate and review on your preferred podcast platform and share widely, including on LinkedIn. And while you're there, send me a connection request. The show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange in Brighton, England, and edited with assistance by Kane Hunter. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find full written transcripts now in several languages, show notes, and more content at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.